Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth Allen and that is Mr. Tyler Guthrie. How's it going? Well, unfortunately, I had to eat like three months of words after the uh, Chicago Street Course race turned out to not be nearly as bad as I thought it was. I actually really liked the track. Um, NASCAR did some typical NASCAR shenanigans with the Xfinity race and shortening it. And they also did the same thing with the cup race, which both made sense, kind of, but not really what you want to see on the first time you go to a track. But that track would have been so cool for IndyCar, and I wish it was IndyCar, not NASCAR. <laughs> Tyler's always got to spin it back to IndyCar. Um, yes, no, yes, you do have to eat your words on that, because it was fantastic and that's exactly why from the very beginning i said you have to keep an open mind because this is not the first time i've seen a race where everybody has been like oh this is going to be terrible they're not going to be able to race here this is going to be awful and then it turns out to not be half bad so this is why i always say you have to keep an open mind with these things it's something new nascar's never been on a street course we can theorize all we want on how we think it's going to go but until it actually happens, we don't know for sure. Sure, sometimes things go exactly as we think they'll go. Other times, like this, complete 180 from what we expected it to be. And again, I won't say that I was completely not negative on this. Like I, I did say I'm keeping an open mind, but I don't expect a lot. So it definitely exceeded my expectations absolutely I, I thought it was great. A very solid race. I'd say at least an eight and a half out of 10. Very good. Very good first outing. And I, at this point, I hope it's not a one and done. I really do hope they go for that, that three-year contract all three years and make a, a really good event in Chicago because that's exactly what it was. Unfortunately, I think I saw the concerts got canceled because of the rain. So it wasn't the event that they had meant for it to be, but the race kind of made up for that yeah pretty much everything fell to the wayside except for the racing product which is about the opposite of what i would ex expected to happen mm -hmm. um had some random chicago shenanigans some people broke into the track overnight over the weekend and started running laps on the track and got arrested um it, it kind of felt like the city made a little bit of a mockery of nascar just by everybody kind of fooling around and make it look like nobody's paying attention to the race and everybody only wanted to go to concerts, which I get that. But they had a bunch of new fans go to the race, actually, which I was fairly impressed by. I didn't think very many people were going to go to the race. I thought about it, but ticket prices were, like, astronomical. Um, it was, like, over $100 for general admission, which, if they're labeling it with the concerts and the race as one ticket, sure, but... If you only want to see the race, I don't want to pay hundred bucks for concert tickets. You know, right? Um, I do think the track geometry played a, a lot, big part in how good the race was because if you just look at the track map, like I did, without actually like looking at the iRacing scan or anything like that, it looked like a really freaking boring track. Like if mm -hmm. this was just a smooth track with no bumps or hills or anything, that would have been an awful track. But I think with the way the bumps were in the braking zones and kind of some of the elevation changes. It's the same thing I had with IndyCar at Detroit this year. If you just look at the track map, you're like, this is awful. And they actually get to the track and you see how the track's laid out. I I think it was actually a pretty good track. They had a lot of elevation change for a city track. Um, that little like half circle around the fountain was pretty cool. Um, it looked like a difficult track to drive. Um, they had a lot of big braking zones that would have promoted passing. Some tight technical corners, which I'm glad NBC put in the uh, pedal cam for Van Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. um, or Van Gisberg. And I, we were just making fun of NBC for just calling it SVG. And now I can't yeah. pronounce it either. But <laughs> yeah, I liked how they gave the uh, pedal cam for the 91. Um just you don't really see the toe heel anymore in NASCAR because of mm -hmm. the new transmissions and to see somebody kind of dominate the field with the toe heel concept was pretty cool. 
Um, well, I, I feel like he was only doing toe heel out of like muscle memory because I don't think the clutch is necessarily needed anymore. So I don't I don't know that him going toe heel was was why he and he didn't even dominate. That's the thing. Like we use the word dominate and he only led what seven laps. So I wouldn't even call that domination. Was he the fastest car at the end of the race? Absolutely. But it's not like he went out there and put a whooping on him led every lap and was just far and away the best driver in the field. He was constantly learning this car throughout the weekend, the differences in this and the V8 supercars that he's used to running in Australia. They are very similar, but there are differences. And it was cool to see the progression of him being kind of fish out of water at the beginning of the weekend to at the end of the race, being the fastest car on the track and going out there and winning the race. Um, Denny actually said on his podcast this week that um, SVG is now the uh, the greatest athlete in our sport because he came in with a car driving on the opposite side that he's used to and shifting with the opposite arm that he's used to. Denny's like, you know, I probably could shift with my left arm, but it definitely wouldn't be as good as what I can do with my right arm. So the fact that he came in and he was able to use basically a backwards car from what he's used to and learn it that quickly and go out and win this race, that says a lot about his talent level. And I'm interested to see what he could do if he came to NASCAR. He did drop a hint in his post-race interview that he might come to NASCAR. He said he's under contract for one more year to run supercars in Australia, and then he might come over here. Yeah, and you bring up a lot of good points there. It is interesting. I I didn't even consider the fact that he was driving on the opposite side of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty cool to be able to figure that out that quickly. Um, I I'm hoping this pipes down a little bit of the like Southern NASCAR crowd <laughs> that just always says NASCAR drivers are the best drivers in the world at everything and all this kind of stuff. Because really, I mean. There's a lot of talented drivers other mm-hmm. places. NASCAR is well, not the biggest talent pool. The problem is, I think it's shifted the other direction. I've seen a lot of comments on social media now of people saying, well, if he can come in and win this race in his first try, these drivers really aren't as good as they're touted to be, and they're not very good in the first place. I think NASCAR drivers are good, but you got to consider that this is what svg does like mm-hmm. this is what his whole career has been is driving stock cars basically on street courses mm-hmm. so the fact that he came in and was competitive i was not surprised by at all the fact that he came in and won was a little bit surprising to me but at the same time this is what he does that mm-hmm. just what v8 supercars is and i think those are very very talented drivers over there in australia you saw scott mclaughlin come into indycar never even seen an oval before and i think what his second oval race got a top 10 and then won texas his second year i mean those guys are competitive they know what they're doing um, New Zealand and Australia, they've always produced good drivers. Hell, out of New Zealand, you've seen Scott Dixon dominate IndyCar for the past 15 years. Um, I've always been impressed by drivers from that area. Um, there's a whole lot of talent over there, and I'm glad that a lot more people in America are able to see how talented some of those people are because, you know, a lot of like hardcore NASCAR fans aren't going to watch V8 supercars and see other kinds of sports. Um, I think the Project 91 car is one of the best things that's happened in NASCAR in recent memory. Um, Trackhouse in general has been, I, I saw a post about this this weekend. Trackhouse in general, the past couple of years, has created more newsworthy stuff about NASCAR than anything else in the past like five or six years. You got Ross Chastain over there. Daniel Suarez is the only full-time cup driver that's not from the U.S. Um, you got the involvement from Justin Marks and all that. Um, it, the 91 car is cool anyway. You got Kimi Raikkonen that came over for a race last year. Um, even in this race, I, I guess this is not track out as Rick Ware, but Jensen Button was in this race. Mm-hmm. The 
fact that NASCAR is branching out and getting drivers from other series and other parts of the world involved is going to be instrumental in NASCAR moving forward as a series and hopefully moving to different countries. I'd like to see some NASCAR races in other countries. And honestly, after the Garage 56 car in Le Mans, I think a lot of other people around the world are getting more interested in NASCAR. And I think they got to kind of take this and run with it. I absolutely agree. And I was about to make the same point that Project 91, I think, might be the best thing that's happened to NASCAR in a long time. And Justin Marks deserves all the praise for that. And the thing is, I don't know that even Justin Marks expected Project 91 to be this successful this quickly, to have someone in that Project 91 car go out and win a race in the second year that they've had this car. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, Kimmy ran really well at Watkins Glen last year before he got caught up in somebody else's mess. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be surprising that somebody could go out and win in that car under the right circumstances. But the fact that someone has gone out and won in that car now and, and all the different people that um, he's gotten in that car and he's going to have in that car is opening the eyes to a lot of people that weren't watching NASCAR before, I think. And it is, it's opening a lot of doors for NASCAR, I think, more so than I think anything NASCAR itself has done in a long time. And yeah, I, I think Justin Marks and Trackhouse are probably the best team that, to come into this sport in a long time. Not necessarily performance-wise. I mean, Ross Chastain's fast. Daniel Suarez has his races where he's fast. Obviously, um, SVG just won this race, but... Um, they're not up on like a Hendrix, Hendrick or Joe Gibbs. I, I can't believe I just said Hendrix. I get so <laughs> mad at people for saying Hendrix. Um, not on a Hendrick or a, a Joe Gibbs level, but um, they they're competitive. So, but they're not they're not the best team to come into the sport necessarily from a competition level. They are the best team to come into this sport from what they have done for this sport to grow it and what they are continuing to do for this sport to grow it. Yeah. And I think it's nice that they're not the most or like the fastest team in NASCAR because it makes stuff like the project 91 car that much more impressive mm -hmm. because I mean, sure. It'd be really impressive if a guy came over from a different country and one in a Hendrick car, but the fact that it's not the fastest car in the field every week makes it even better to me. Um, just gives a little more credibility to these other drivers, but yeah, the project 91 car is awesome. Um, and I, well, I wouldn't be surprised if this started off as like a, wouldn't it be cool if we got other people in NASCAR yeah. and then now they're like, wouldn't it be cool if we won? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's funny you say that because remember Jordan Taylor was in a Hendrick car at Coda and he mm -hmm. didn't win. So I right. think that's what makes it even cooler is that SVG can come in here with no cup experience and go out and win in the Project 91 car. But Jordan Taylor, who, I mean, if you know anything about sports car racing, you know how good Jordan Taylor is. The fact that he could go out in a Hendrick car and not win, but SVG could win in the Project 91 car says a lot about, I think, just how talented SVG really is. Yeah, I I would argue that there's some shady stuff going on with the nine team the past couple of years but yeah i i did think it was hilarious watching qualifying uh chase elliott got behind svg in qualifying just to kind of follow him around and see if he could find some lap time and then just bend it in the wall behind him <laughs> i thought that was hilarious yeah and then we had another one of the hendrick cars that they just didn't have an extra wrap for and half of it was blank white with some <laughs> random logos. I I think it's pathetic that they can't just find a whole wrap. We saw, we've seen Trackhouse do it before. I don't know why Hendrick can't, but well, that's not the first time this has happened to Hendrick. Remember when Chase, I know it's happened in... like four or five times. Well, the one I'm thinking of specifically was Darlington last year when he wrecked his throwback in either practice or qualifying and mm -hmm. they bring his throwback out for the race and it's, similar but it's not the same scheme because they didn't have the full wrap <laughs> right william byron did it once they ran the raptor scheme with a white center and then like mm -hmm. the regular stuff on the side it's like how do you bring 
two thirds of the decals. Right. <laughs> Typical Hendrick moment. Yeah. Well, not if they can't paint the cars anymore. Well, that's the thing. I don't. Is it that they can't paint the cars or mm. that they choose not to? They can't. The new NASCAR regulations said none of it can be painted. It all has to be wrapped. Well, that's dumb. That, I, I think that, know, that's know that. part of I, why I, that's part of why Exalta's backed out uh, some of their sponsorship and gone to oh, the Raptor really? stuff because the Exalta sponsorship with Hendrick was that they would paint the cars. Okay. Um, they used to paint them all the time. Hendrick was the last team that kept painting their cars for every race. Mm-hmm. And then they started doing it for like some different night races and some fancy stuff like that. And then next gen car came out and NASCAR said, you can't paint it at all. So we, we really f- tackled all the problems with the next gen car. We, right. we moved the numbers to a stupid spot and won't let you paint it anymore. I'm glad yeah. we figured out the good shit. See, I didn't realize that was a rule now. I thought that was just a cost savings choice that the teams were choosing to wrap because it was cheaper than painting. No, Exalta was mad about it because, you know, they're paint and Mm -hmm. they can't use their products on cars that they sponsor anymore, which we're all about creating sponsorship advertisement opportunities. And now we're just going to like give Exalta DuPont kind of just a kick in the ass because yeah, we can't use your products on our cars anymore. Awesome. I'm glad we moved the number. Thanks guys. Right. Yeah. Right. So many, so many great things about this next gen car that, uh, finally had a good road course race though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. I, that probably was the first good road course race we've had with this car, isn't it? Mm hmm. Yeah, I can't think of a better one. I can't think of one that's even close to that good. So, yeah, that's... I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily a step in the right direction or if it's just a a fluke. I guess we'll see when we have another street course race, hopefully back at Chicago, or if not at Chicago, somewhere that's just as good. I know I saw somewhere this weekend that Ben Kennedy said that they are looking at street courses in other towns. Um he, I think he said NASCAR that they, F1 Las Vegas doubleheader. Yeah, right. Um, I think he said they didn't expect to have more than like two per year, but they were definitely looking at other places. My my gut says New York and L.A. are probably the two biggest options there. Yeah, I I I understand the New York one. I struggle with L.A. because we already do the clash at the Coliseum. It, well, my guess is not really that many people that are too interested in that over there. <laughs> I mean, if you make it an event with concerts, they might be. I uh, I hate that that's what racing is turning into <laughs> is just we're having concerts and then here's the, here's this race thing too. See, that that's the thing though is in this day and age. I mean, that's just how people are now. Oh, um, I know you've got to you've got to pull them in with something. And if they've got this idea in their head about what racing is and they don't want to come for the racing, but you can get them in with something else that they want to be there for if they stick around for the racing and decide, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought it was. This is actually cool. I'm going to continue watching this after today. What's the difference? I mean, if you can't pull them in just because of their preconceived notions, you got to pull them in somehow. Right. I get it, and, like, I I guess the 500 for IndyCar was really one of the first things that really started doing this in the U.S., where they, mm-hmm. like, have concerts and stuff to snake pit the race. Um, I always hated the snake pit, but I kind of got around to the opinion of, well, I know I hate it, and it's stupid, but if it gets people to buy a ticket and help the track out, then I don't really care that much, I guess. But yeah, that's that's the thing, though. All I feel like all the snake pit does is help the track out because. Oh, yeah, they're they're 100 percent taking advantage of people that just want to party. on Memorial. Oh, yeah, weekend. because I don't think anybody that goes to the snake pit or probably at least 95 percent of them have any idea what is going on in the race outside of them. Like no. they have no idea. Well, you can when they throw a yellow you can hear the snake pit from the short shoot in one and two yeah like it it's i i hate it but it gets people to pay money to the track so i can keep going the races i'll deal with it my problem is like what happened with chicago this weekend where they decided to lump the concert tickets in with your race tickets and you ended up paying like 150 bucks for a general admission ticket and i'm like i just 
This you price should... goes up every time you say it. It was a hundred bucks last time. I don't remember how much you. I do remember looking at it at one point. And it was over a hundred dollars and being like, "Yeah, I'm not going to that." Um, and maybe IndyCar's doing it with Iowa this summer too. Uh, they're doing the doubleheader in Iowa, and they've got like two concerts for each race, and the tickets Which... are astronomical there too. Iowa seems like a weird choice for me. Like, I kind of get it in the fact that they're probably struggling to get people to show up to Iowa. Yeah. But and Iowa's a weird place to bundle that with a concert because there's not really very many people in Iowa to begin with. So, well, that's the point. They're trying to get people to come in and make it like a weekend event because nobody would just go to Iowa for a Sunday race. Yeah. Um, also, the Hy-Vee's sponsoring it all, and the Hy-Vee's like big in Iowa and most like the Western Midwest yeah, wasn't, area. Wasn't that the race last year? They had the whole pop up Hy-Vee store in the middle of the track. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was yeah. Weird. That would be that would be a Hy-Vee thing. Hy-Vee's poured a ton of money into Iowa the past couple of years. Really? Um, so see, they don't even need a concert. Just let Hy-Vee pay for everything. Well, that's what Hy-Vee's doing. Hy-Vee is setting up the concert. Oh, okay. Because the whole thing is set up by Hy-Vee, the whole concert and all that. Um, I, I do, I would like to see the Cup Series at Iowa sometime. It's like Richmond, but cooler. See, that's the thing, is there's been a rumor that Cup is going to Iowa for like five years now, and it at still least. hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd I love to see it. I like Iowa as a track. It's just when IndyCar is the only like big series that goes there and there's like three people to show up because somehow IndyCar isn't popular still. Yeah. I, d I don't know if it's ever going to happen at this point, especially since they've taken it off the Xfinity and truck schedules. Like oh, Arca. They did? Yeah. Arca oh. is the biggest form of NASCAR going there now. Ouch. Yeah. So I don't know if cups ever going to happen there at this point. Um, at this point, I think IndyCar is IndyCar and High V are paying to keep the lights on there. Yeah, and I, which sucks because I like Iowa and I wish IndyCar would go to Richmond like they were rumored to before COVID. Um, that would have yeah. been pretty cool. IndyCar and short ovals is awesome, except for Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix. Phoenix is the worst. <laughs> All my hate homies Phoenix. hate Phoenix. Everybody hates Phoenix. That's Phoenix right. hasn't been cool since they took the grass out. Yeah, I. You know what I wonder. Since there's all the rumor that Auto Club is not going to turn into a short track now, and they're just going to completely get rid of it, which I, I still don't. That. Well, yeah, that's that's the rumor, but I think it's just a rumor. I don't really buy into it since they did keep a piece of land that was big enough for them to build the short track on. I don't mm. necessarily buy into that, but my theory is. One of two things is going to happen. Either they are going to build the short track at Auto Club, and that is going to be the season finale once it's built, and they're going to say, F Phoenix. Or they're going to go have a street course in L.A., and that, oh, can you will be, imagine? that will be the season finale. Can you imagine how many just head gaskets would get blown if NASCAR <laughs> decided to make a street course the season finale. Oh, I know. And honestly, that would be even worse with the uh, playoff format. You having a one out race for championship at just some random street course. <laughs> I mean, if it's as good as if it's as good of a street course as Chicago was, I don't know that it would necessarily be that bad. But they've got to. No, nah, here's what we need to do. Good. We need to do like what happened in Cars Two, where they've got like the pavement and dirt and super speedway all on the same track, and then you can make the claim of NASCAR drivers are the best drivers in the world. I don't. If if you made one track like that, I don't think anybody would make it to the checkered flag. No, they, they barely made it to the <laughs> checkered flag in Chicago. <laughs> True. Well, like, yeah, they barely Grayson made it, and they still yeah. shortened the race. Yeah, Noah Gregson decided to knock down about every wall in the city of Chicago. So, well, no, it was one specific wall. It was always turn six. I don't yeah, know. He, he had the same crash twice, and then he like wrecked somewhere else a couple times. And Noah there, Gregson I, I did, did not see, have a good weekend. <laughs> I did see a meme that I thought was really good. It was name a more iconic duo, and it was him and that stupid Baconator getup that he had on for that commercial, and a picture of the turn six wall. <laughs> 
Yeah, Noah Gregson I, didn't have a good weekend. Neither did Legacy as a whole. My theory with that is, after the first time, after he'd screwed his race up, he started wrecking intentionally for more TV time for Wendy's. That is 100% something he would do. Hey, it's better than moving the numbers. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did have a cool car, too. That's the thing. Like, that Wendy's Baconator car looked pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that car. I, it's weird <laughs> just having a giant burger on the car. But, well, I mean, it's Wendy's. What else are they supposed to put on the car? I, I know. I, I just really like the red, white, and blue skin they did last year with Gregson. Oh, when he was in the 62? Yeah. I mean, that was just a basic Wendy scheme, though. I know, but this is just like a black car with a burger on it. Right, but we've always been, we've been complaining for months now that we need more special paint schemes. You <laughs> specifically have complained that Monster doesn't do special paint schemes for all of their different flavors. Here's Wendy's doing a special paint scheme to promote something that they have, and you're complaining about it. I'm not complaining that promoting yes, something. Are. Just put it on something other than a black base. <laughs> I thought the black base looked cool. It looked badass. It was okay. What kind of base are they supposed to put it on? The red, white, and blue 62 car? That would have looked stupid. Okay, well, that would have looked stupid as the Baconator, but... First off, he's not in the 62 car, so it couldn't be the red, white, Change blue 62 number. car. Make it a 42 instead of a 62, and then you're fine. <sighs> what are we going to do with you? I don't know. Get me to move the numbers back. <laughs> Tyler and changing his opinion on a weekly basis. Name a more iconic duo. Hey, you know, just got to keep everybody interested. I guess. Is that what we're doing? Is that not what we're doing? I don't know. You tell me. I, I don't know. I guess we should probably move on to some other recaps other than the cup race. Well, first off, we need to talk about the Xfinity race and the fact that they... Ended the race before halfway. Everyone was up in arms about this. Everyone was up in arms about this. And except you. I, yeah, apparently except me. Apparently I'm the only person that wasn't super mad about this. Um, because, uh, well, first off, we've got to explain that there is a clause in the NASCAR rulebook that says the halfway or end of stage two rule that makes the race official they do have a clause in there that says under extreme circumstances, this rule can be changed or I, I don't I don't remember what the exact wording was, but basically they're saying in extreme circumstances, they can end the race before halfway or the end of stage two. I would consider this extreme circumstances. Yeah. One, the city of Chicago did not want them closing down those busy streets on a Monday especially if it's not even for the cup race. If it's just for the Xfinity race, there is no way in hell Chicago would have let them come back on Monday for just the Xfinity race, for barely over half of the Xfinity race to finish. There is absolutely no way. Well, Bob Pockers tweeted that they could come back Monday if they wanted. Well, Good maybe luck. he did, and that might be right. But that also might have been with the assumption that Cup would have been there on Monday, too. There is yeah. absolutely no way Chicago would have let them finish that Xfinity race on Monday. There is no way they would have let them keep Lakeshore Drive, Michigan Avenue. There's no way they would have let them close that down on a weekday. There is absolutely no way. Especially with the 4th of July being the next day. Yeah, exactly. There, There is absolutely no way... That would have happened. So am I disappointed that they called the race before halfway? Yes, I would have loved to see that race go to completion. But I understand why it happened. Believe me, I am the first person. Anybody that watches any sort of regularly around here knows I am the first person to complain about something that I don't feel was done correctly. NASCAR, ARCA, doesn't matter. I will complain if I don't think it was right what they did. I am disappointed by this, but I think it was the only call they could make. On top of Chicago not wanting them back on Monday for the Xfinity race, you've also got to think about 
budgets for some of these Xfinity teams. I think it was Jeremy Clements that that tweeted that mm. it would have been another like fifteen hundred dollars per room or something like that. Wait, for- it was it was another fifteen hundred dollars because they did have to stay until Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So, but the fact if they'd moved it to Monday, it would have been another fifteen hundred dollars on top yeah. of the extra money already to stay until Sunday. A lot of these Xfinity teams don't have a budget to do that and might not have even been able to stay till Monday financially. Right. So that's Which the other I think factor makes you've got to bring in here. I think that creates like a whole separate issue that NASCAR needs to take care of where your teams can't even afford to be there for the whole mm-hmm. weekend if you extend it. Like I, NASCAR needs to have some way of benefiting these teams if they do get rained out so that they are able to stay because it would have been really embarrassing i think if a couple different xfinity teams just had to withdraw halfway through the race because they couldn't afford to stay until monday i think Mm -hmm. nascar needs to have a way to like refund them their hotels or something if they had to stay an extra day but i I agree with you now that I understand that the rule says that they can end it under extreme circumstances because, yeah, there's no way they're going to be able to come mm-hmm. back Monday. There's no way the city of Chicago is going to be like, yeah, your B-series can totally take up our city for another right. day. But, yeah, I was angry about it before I knew that's what the rule said. Mm-hmm. Now I'm upset about the rule <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. this is like another one of those NASCAR rules where it's like we lay out this rule of different things that will happen and then just say, but also we can do whatever we want. And mm-hmm. that's like how half the rule book is laid out. And it's just stupid. But yeah, it, before I read that rule, I would it's like, why don't we just the race should just be invalid. Like we didn't make halfway there should be at least like half points or it never happened kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a little disappointed that they gave full points. Um, I would, I would probably would have liked seeing a percentage of the race distance that they made versus what would have been full distance because see, like, see, but like that's half the thing. points or something. If you do that, you got to do that with the cup race too, since they shorted the cup race by 25 laps, but they made the, halfway distance though because that would have made it a full points race so you're so you're saying short them because they didn't make it to halfway so short them by the two laps that they didn't make because there were only two laps from oh it was only two laps yeah Eh, okay maybe i can let that slide but the cup race was weird because like they did shorten it that's the that's the other thing I don't understand why people were getting up in arms. It's two laps. I mean, I get it. Yes, the rule says it's yeah. got to be halfway to be official, but it's two laps. Come on now. Like, are we really that petty? Yeah. Come I on. mean, when you look at the bigger picture there, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense with two laps to halfway. Okay. Yeah. But with the cup race, I thought it was weird that people were upset about it because, yeah, first of all, this race should not have started at like 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Like this should have been scheduled for noon. Well, the thing is, at, at was- risk of start sounding like David Land, the fact that this was scheduled to start at like four thirty, with sunset at eight twenty, never should have been in the schedule. I agree, but in this case, it wouldn't have made a difference because the track wouldn't have been dry that soon. Right? So- no, I, I get that, but even like if it had been dry. And if it was a wreck fest, we still would have had to deal with the darkness out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just I don't understand why NBC and like Fox and NASCAR just keep making it so that you have to run in this stupid window that always makes like these transition races from day to night. And oh, this track doesn't have lights, so we just had to finish the race early. And I thought it was stupid that a lot of the teams were upset about the call the NASCAR made after they made some pit stops. Like look outside idiot. You know, it's mm-hmm. not going to make it a hundred laps. Right. I I don't understand why so many teams are upset about that. You know, it's not going to make it a hundred laps. So as soon as you can make it like the 30 minutes to sunset, just pit and then you don't have to worry about it. And that's kind of what I think that's what, uh, like Chase Elliott's team said and a couple other people up that ended up finishing up higher up 
is like, yeah, we just looked and saw it was getting dark and pitted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah well, everybody and, and had the, the same tools to deal with there. Right. And you could tell there was no way they were going to go longer than 75 laps. Like, it was dark when that race finished. Well, I was surprised they were even able to get that overtime finish in. I know. So was I, because it was already pretty dark at that point. Well, because I was working and kind of, well, I was at work and had it, like, just kind of paying attention. And I saw it still wasn't over yet. And I looked outside and, like, I can see my car headlights on the <laughs> ground, you know? <laughs> well... You're also slightly further east than they were, so it would have been a little more light By, there. like, 14 miles. You're a little further than that. I can you're, see you're the more sky- than 14 miles. I can see the city skyline from work. Across the lake? Right, but that's, like, of just a west di- distance, it's a lot shorter than you'd think. Is it? Yeah, it's pretty close. Okay. Either way. Yes, I agree. I, I, I don't understand. Like, that's the thing. And at the risk of sounding like a Monday morning quarterback, crew chiefs these days are not as good as they were 20 years ago. They're not as smart as they used to be. Because, well, this is a prime example of it. All you've got to do is look and see that this race isn't going to go 100 laps. Use your head and not the computer screen in front of you and make a decision based on what you can see around you, not just what the computer is telling you. These crew chiefs are too reliant on all this data that is fed to them by these computers and not just running by the seat of their pants, uh, to use a term from your work. Um, <laughs> and, um, and and using their their brain and thinking through things. Because 20 years ago, yeah, a lot of the crew chiefs would have gone, I don't think we're going to make it to the end. I think we should pit now. But yet today, these crew chiefs don't have to think because the the computer feeds everything to them. But the computer can't compensate for how dark it's getting and whether or not NASCAR is going to shorten the race. Right. And I, I just I don't understand why so many people had a problem with NASCAR shortening the race. I mean, Sure, NASCAR could have said at the beginning of the event, said, hey, if it's not over by this time, it's just going to be over, like with the timed race, how IndyCar mm-hmm. does sometimes. But it was very, very obvious that we weren't going to make it 100 laps. And by the time they got to like lap 50 or something, they were going to be able to make it to nightfall. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that that was one of those just common sense things where it's like, it's going to end by 8.30, just yeah. pit once you know you can make it the time to go that many laps. And you would think with how good some of these crew chiefs are, they would have been able to figure it out and there wouldn't have been this much of a strategy difference, but I guess not. You know what's funny is we've talked in the past about how um, it seems like Alan Gustafson may not be the smartest crew chief in the garage, but yet Apparently he, was he used one- a brain today, right? today this weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, He's he is an idiot, though. Yeah. If it's a if it's a numbers game, he is an idiot. If it's looking mm-hmm. at the sky and seeing it's dark out, apparently he's smart. <laughs> well, maybe we need to run more races uh, closer to darkness for Chase to have a chance to win. Then <laughs> he's still screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out, out of the top three for the last like twenty laps of the race, I there was no way Chase Elliott shouldn't have won that race. Justin Haley, Austin Dillon, Chase Elliott. You're telling well, me Justin yeah, Haley and Austin three, Dillon yeah. are better than... <laughs> but the fact that SVG pitted and had fresher tires, yeah. Out of the three that didn't pit, yeah, it, it absolutely should have been Chase Elliott. But he but... didn't even pass Austin Dillon or Justin Haley. <laughs> no, well, yeah, that's true. He only passed Austin Dillon Austin Dillon stuffed it in the wall. Yeah, Literally, the moment after they had said, well, Austin Dillon's gotten better at driving road courses, boom, straight into the wall. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. They were talking about Chase Elliott and the uh, qualifying thing, too, and then he bend it, and it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize you had become European. You've been watching too much F1, or listening to too much Lee Diffie. Yeah, that actually, yeah, I'm starting to listen to too much Lee Diffie. Uh, can we get Alan Bestwick back? For yes, anything. please. He's only the IMS, uh, like, PA announcer now. He's not doing, like, any broadcast stuff except for XRX. 
Well, I mean, it, that's better than nothing doing SRX, and that does come back this month. So it does. Yep. Um, it's, what? Still two weeks away, right? Or is it next weekend? I, I don't know. I want to say it's next weekend. I don't remember. I don't, I don't have the schedule don't in front know. of me. I haven't seen any advertisement really on it. Do you watch ESPN very often? Because it's no, on ESPN. I, That's probably why. Yeah, it's probably why. Um, which is disappointing get, because there should be advertisement because people absolutely should be watching it. But well, it's been good the past couple of years they've mm-hmm. done. It. I just I haven't seen like any uh, social media ads for it yet either. Is Paul Tracy back this year? They need Paul Tracy back just for the excitement. <laughs> Yay, Paul Tracy. Well, they got to have story. He's the Ross Chastain of SRX. You know, it's bad when you get like fired from NBC for being racist. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Well, you, know, you want to talk that, about that? He may not still. be back at SRX. Hang on. Let's see here. SRX. I'm pretty sure he is. 2023 drivers. Uh, let's see. Okay, first race at Stafford on July 13th, so it is next weekend. We'll have Denny Hamlin, Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, Tony Kanon, Brad Keselowski, Haley Deegan, Bobby Labonte, Ryan Newman, Paul Tracy, Ryan Hunter Ray, Marco Andretti, and Tony Stewart. That's actually a pretty stacked lineup. It is, yeah. SRX should be pretty good this year. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to ARCA now. We'll quickly go through that before we get to predictions. Um, Honestly, really good race at Irwindale. Very, very good race with Sean Hingarani and uh, Landon Lewis battling for the lead for, hell, the first third to the first half of the race. Like, they were side by side for almost that entire time. Landon Lewis, I mean, very clearly was holding Sean Hingarani up. And Landon Lewis just stuck it there in the high line and the preferred line, and Hingarani just could not get around him that entire time on the bottom. Finally, he kind of um, slide jobs it at one point once Trevor Huddleston started catching them and finally forced his way around Landon Lewis. But then I don't know if he used up his tires so bad trying to get around Landon Lewis for so long or what exactly happened, but it wasn't long after that, maybe 10 or 15 laps. And he blows a right front tire into the wall, and that would be the end of the day for Sean Hingarani. And then shortly afterward, under that caution, I'm not sure what happened. I must have missed it. But all of a sudden, Landon Lewis was last car in the lead lap, and he was never competitive again after that. So I, I'm i not 100% sure what happened there. If you know, let me know in the chat or down in the comments. Um, but I haven't gotten a chance to go back and look at highlights or anything, so I'm not 100% sure what happened to him. But Landon Lewis also was not competitive after that point, which basically handed the race to the home track favorite of Trevor Huddleston, who led, I believe, the rest of the race after that point and went on to win his first race since 2019 in ARCA West. Um, Big race for him, as that is basically his track. His dad owns that track and is the promoter. It was a really cool moment being able to watch his dad be able to interview him on the front stretch. His dad is a ball of energy, like just <laughs> sitting there screaming the entire time. I was like, holy, <laughs> calm down a little bit, buddy. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know it's your son. I know it's his first win in this series in like four years, but you're reined it in a little bit here. Sometimes I can't <laughs> tell what you're saying. <laughs> um, but no, that was a really cool moment nonetheless. And uh, Trevor's a good kid. I like Trevor a lot. Uh, Interviewed him a few times in 2019, back when he was winning races in in Arca West, and um, good dude. Glad to see him finally get back to victory lane. He's had a very rough past few years in that series, so good to see him get back to victory lane. And then Bubba Nascimento, through all the attrition, came home with a career best second place finish. So uh, good run for him in that race as well. Uh, but. I'm guessing Tyler has no thoughts because I'm guessing Tyler did not see this race. So we are going to did not. Yeah, I didn't figure, um, which you should. And, and everybody needs to bully Tyler into watching these um, ARCA races because legitimately the past three, four five weeks of ARCA have been, if not the best race of the weekend, one of the best races of the weekend. And you are legitimately missing out by not watching them. If you extended every day to be a 36-hour day, I would have enough time to watch ARC every week. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to watch it live, but you can watch a replay. I mean, 
Arca most weeks is running on Friday or Saturday. It gives you plenty of time to see it before we do this podcast. I'm having enough trouble watching Cup and Xfinity before we do this. <laughs> well, that seems like a personal problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're going to move on to predictions now. Cup and Xfinity at Atlanta this weekend for a night race now on the high banks. Trucks and Arca are at mid-Ohio. IndyCar is off, and then I think F1 is running this weekend as well. Um, Double-checking that here. Yes, they are in England this weekend. Um, The British Grand Prix. The British Grand Prix. 10 a.m. He's doing a cool silver paint scheme for Britain this year. Oh, yeah? Nice. 10 a.m. Eastern on Sunday for F1. Um, and then let's move on to mid-Ohio for the weekend. That will be at uh, the ARCA race will be 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday. It's late. It is a little late, but I mean, ARCA races usually barely take over an hour, so it should be That's fine fair. as long as it's not raining. Because uh, I don't think ARCA has rain tires. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think they do. So doesn't seem like a thing that'd be in the budget. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> There's barely a budget to pay their drivers. So yeah, right. Yeah. So, all right, Tyler, who you got for uh, Mid Ohio Arca? Uh, there's no uh, entry list out yet, so I will take William Sawalich because he's been one of the top two or three drivers in Arca this year. <laughs> You are correct. Um, I mean, it's not hard to be one of the top two or three drivers when you're in the best car in the field that has a budget that's like three times higher than any other car in the field. But, you know, there is that. Hey, potato, Um, potato. Yeah, right. I think this might be his first... No, he ran the West races on the road courses. I was going to say this is his first road course, but it definitely is not. Um, I, though, am going to go with Jesse Love. How do you not go with Jesse Love at this point? Like, it's either Jesse Love or William Sawalich practically every week at this point. So, you got practically a 50-50 shot every week at this point. So, hard not to go with Jesse Love. All right, Trucks at Mid-Ohio. The big show of the weekend at Mid-Ohio. Tyler, who you got? I'm going to go with Stuart Friesen. For some reason, I've got it in my head that he's a good road course driver. He's probably not, and I'm just an idiot. But... He finished fourth here last year, and I think he might have a shot this year. Yeah, I'm not really sure where you're getting that idea in your head, because we were talking about that before this, and um, I looked back through his recent um, road course finishes. His fourth at this race last year was his first top 10 on a road course since 2019. So yeah, it must have been from like before 2019 when I tuned into a couple truck races, and he was like in the top five, and they were talking about him for some reason. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, But it does seem like ever since he switched to Toyota, he's been a little slower most weeks anyway than he was. Yeah, he he hasn't been around very much this year. Or last year. Yeah. Um, Ever since he's, I think it was last year when he switched to Toyota. It may have been two years ago. But ever since then, he's not been as fast as he was with, with Chevy. I, though, am going to go with Tyler's favorite pick that I sniped from him this week that I'm sure he would have picked if I didn't. Uh, And I'm going with Zane Smith. Um, Zane, I know, is good on road courses. Um, So seems like a very easy pick to go with Zane Smith. I think he wins at uh, Mid-Ohio this weekend. On to Atlanta. Now the high banks of Atlanta, mini Daytona. Tyler, who you got for Xfinity? I'm going to go with Austin Hill this weekend. I think he's going to sweep the Atlanta races this year and get three out of four wins on the new Atlanta track. Uh, How can you stop these RCR cars at these big tracks? They've been fast every time we've gone here, and I think he's going to pick it up again. Well, you say the RCR cars. I don't know that Sheldon Creed has quite been on the same level as Austin Hill at these tracks. That being said, I am going to pick Sheldon Creed to win this race. He has had some very good runs uh, lately, so I think that first win for him is finally just around the corner. And I think with a little luck, he picks up that win uh, on Saturday night at Atlanta. Speaking of which, I need to be giving times for these races, and I am not. Uh, because I am a terrible podcaster. Uh, 
Trucks will be Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern from Mid-Ohio, and Xfinity will be Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern on USA from Atlanta. Trucks are on FS1, as they always are. As is Arca. Arca is also on F1. I'm doing terrible with giving the schedule this week. <laughs> um, moving on to the cup race, which will be Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on USA. Tyler, who you got? I'm going to go with Brad Kozlowski. Um, these RFK cars have been really good on, well, kind of everywhere at this point. But they're really, really good on super speedways. They almost won, like, Daytona their first race. Um, I think RFK has got a good shot to win this week, and Brad Keselowski is going to be the man that does it. Okay, fair enough. It'd be his first win since moving to RFK. His first points win, that is. He's he's won uh, the Daytona dual race. I, though, am going to go with a man that uh, will win his first ever Cup Series race this weekend. He has been really good on New Atlanta since they changed it around. And I think it's just a matter of time before he wins a new Atlanta race. And that is one Mr. Corey LaJoy, or as they like to say in the chat when I do my NASCAR video game streams, Corey LaHoy Hoy. Um, <laughs> he is, I think, going to pick up, finally pick up that first win this weekend. And I think that will be a very popular win. And... I believe would lock him into the playoffs. I believe. Well, no, they got rid of the top 30 rule. So yeah, he would be in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I think Corey LaJoy picks up his first win and gets into the playoffs, which would be a huge story and a big boost to Spire. Yeah. But that is uh, our predictions for this weekend for Atlanta and mid Ohio. And I, I guess for Great Britain, although like Max, obviously I picked Max Verstappen, right? And that's one thing we didn't even talk about today because he's just dominated so much that there's not much to talk about in F1. He finally um, get, let somebody else lead some laps for the first time since Miami. So I, 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 I don't know. I don't, okay. There's nothing to say about F1 at this point. It's just. It's the Max Verstappen show. Yeah, same same new things, uh, same thing, different country every week. Yeah, basically, and sometimes not even different country since there's like three U.S. races now, and two of them don't need to exist. Yes. Well, Texas maybe. is the only one that needs to exist. <laughs> I don't even know about that, but um, that's not even been that great of a race. But let's go to the U.S. and go to Miami. Texas and Las Vegas, because that's the three places everybody in the U.S. loves. I mean, Miami and Vegas, I guess I can see if you're wanting to go to a big U.S. market. The middle of nowhere, Texas doesn't make a lot of sense, though. No. But, you know, it is what it is. It's F1. They're just looking for the American dollars now that they realize there's a lot of Americans watching because of Drive to Survive. Money, 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 money. That's right. So. But I believe that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of the Rookie Stripes Podcast. I believe this is episode 20. We finally made it to uh, the big 2-0 um, for this podcast. So uh, moving right along there with the episodes, we'll be back next week to talk about Atlanta and Mid-Ohio and everything going forward. So have a good week. Enjoy Mid-Ohio and Atlanta, and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I'm Garth. That's Tyler. This is the Rookie Sharps Podcast on Racing News Now.